Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. This show is brought to you by my friends at Alliance and Trust. In wild times like these, you need more than financial product salespeople. You need a firm that looks at the entirety of your life and helps you with strategies that coordinate all disciplines of good stewardship so you can manage wisely what God has given you and thrive in these times of chaos and confusion. Have a team that acts as consultants in the business of you. Let Alliance and Trust help you to plan for what's next. To learn more and get your free copy of Alliance and Trust's book on financial stewardship, Wisdom Before Wealth, visit friendofbrice.com or call 805-371-8020. And because of our regulatory agencies and the fact that they think you are total rubes, I need to tell you, this is a paid advertisement. Welcome to the Bryce Eddy Show. Today, I have the author of Domestic Extremist on, and uh, she goes by the nom de plume, Peachy Keenan. And um, I am excited to talk about this because it is a cheeky and fun book on um, a practical guide to winning the culture war. Anyway, Peachy Keenan, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, I appreciate you giving me this uh, copy of the book, and um, you are pretty funny, so I'm, uh, I, I have <laughs> very you. high expectations for our uh, little <laughs> talk here. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, I'll do my no, best. I'm just, I'm just teasing. We're, we're a conversational podcast. We just hang out cool. and talk, you know? So, awesome. Um, yeah, so tell us about the book. I've got some questions, um, but uh, you know, first, what uh, what inspired you to write it? And um, you know, is the is the funniness on your mom's side or your dad's side? <laughs> um, they're both pretty funny. I don't know. Well, I have to think about that one. Um, the book was inspired by basically my own you know, trajectory from secular atheist, liberal feminist to what I am now, basically like a modern day trad wife <laughs> here in, uh, here in uh, dark blue Southern California. And then the last few years I started seeing, you know, other moms, parents like me being called domestic extremists, domestic terrorists for doing things like protesting, you know, pornography in their elementary schools. And oh, so no, I you're banning thought, books. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. You're banning books. You're not. You're not protesting. You are. You are. Uh, you know, banning books, burning them in the streets. You know, not letting people have freedom. I mean, that's what it is. Right. I mean, if I put Hustler magazine in like a hardcover binding and put it in the library, like, it, I, am I allowed to? Are they allowed to ban that? Just because it's in a book doesn't mean it's good for kids. I mean, it's so it's so dumb. So that's what inspired the title. Like, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a domestic extremist. I'm just extremely domestic. Oh, there you go. I like that. Well, you know, they are coming for us, and it's really dangerous. Yeah. And, you know, humor right. and, and ridicule is a, a, a great tool here. 
but um, you know we are in a culture war, and they are. Yeah. It's getting scarier and scarier uh, in the way that they are positioning people who are objecting to their extreme measures and policies and ideologies. So um, you know, I'm glad you you wrote the book, and and uh, I'm glad you're uh, a radical trad wife too. Um, <laughs> you know, that's pretty awesome. So. So let's um let's go through um right. the book and and talk a little bit about what the what the content is about and let's tease cool. people because they need to read it. Great. All right. So um you know uh if if you would cuz I like it talk a little bit about your journey from you know okay. uh being uh you know on one side now to the other cuz I think that that's it um you know fun to hear. Yeah, I've, I've come a long way and I definitely write about all this in the book um, because it, I felt like, you know, if I can do this, if I can make this leap, then really anyone can because I never, ever expected to be a devout Catholic. Um, I was raised by two secular atheists. My parents were like hardcore atheists and I never set foot in any kind of church or, or temple or anything like that. I never met anyone who believed in God. Um, my parents were Reagan Republicans. They were sort of normicons. But I, I was a rebel, you know, I, I wanted to be like my friends. I went to, you know, I was what we call, you know, a coastal elitist. And we looked down on the flyover people, you know, they're, they're like, they're, they're like the conservatives. They must be all hicks. They don't know anything. We're cool. We're liberals. We're Democrats. We're feminists. And then I, you know, went through college like that and just popped out the other end, just planning to spend my 20s, you know, having fun and you know, the last thing I would ever dream of doing would be settling down or having children. You know, I never even dreamed that I would end up with, you know, five children and <laughs> in this like wonderful marriage. And I just I like to say I, I escaped feminism by the skin of my teeth. Yeah. So now most people who are going into Ivy League educations, I mean, Dennis Prager says, you know, sending your kid to um, a, a university is playing Russian roulette with their values in their lives. And um, and so most of the kids and I, I have, you know, very personal uh, friendships, um, you know, where they've experienced sending their kids to a uh, Ivy League school and the kids come back, you know, not not just, uh, you know, hating conservatism, but actually hating their parents. Um, so, I mean, it's amazing that you went in one way and came out the other. Um, talk a little bit about that experience. Well, it took me a while. I mean, I would say I didn't really kind of convert politically until sort of the, um, until 9-11. That really woke me up politically because I was, it kind of awakened my inner patriot. You know, my grandpa had fought World War II and now I'm seeing American college students burning the American flag in New York City the day of 9-11. And I was like really confused by that. I didn't understand, wait, what, who's, they're not on our side. So that kind of, really converted me overnight to like a political conservative, but it was not until a few years later that I became like uh, socially conservative pro-life. I basically, you know, had like a, you know, the, the, the scales fell from my eyes and I realized I had just believed all of these lies, you know, what they tell you growing up as a young woman. Um, and it was, you know, I, it was not well received among my liberal friends. I could say that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for sure. So, um, 
you know, you you talk about feminism, of course, uh, in the book, and you know, engaging in in um, that thought process, and you know, kind of identifying as a, a feminist, which it seems you know really went from hey, let's you know give women opportunity that maybe they didn't have in you know past iterations of our society, and let's. Um, you know, let's let's do things to, you know, build up women and all of that, which which I think, you know, obviously has um, some, you know, healthy merits to it, to sort of this extreme version mm-hmm. of, you know, forget the family, um, you know, go 100 percent at a career. Um, and boy, you don't need a husband, um, you know, leave those dirt bags behind. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, give, you know, give us uh, give us your thoughts and how that process uh, worked, and you know, maybe some of the thoughts that you had that you have in the book here. Yeah, I mean, I think the first wave of feminism was, you know, that was that was fine. Give, give women the vote, let them work. You know, it was really about preventing women who had lost a husband from having to resort to prostitution to feed their children, right? So let them have jobs, and like, yes, that's a good thing. However, feminism, instead of making women equal to men, have thrown men away, and now we're in the process of throwing women away, and in favor of a new kind of woman, men, who say they're women. It's all kind of upside down. And in terms of the prostitution thing, what I find so funny, because the movement started as like an anti-prostitution thing, you know, 100 years ago, but now, like, the highest form of feminine, feminist expression is becoming, like, a sex worker or going yeah, on OnlyFans. Like, prostitution is now, like, a great career choice for a young feminist. So we've just come, like, full, full circle. And it's obviously, you know, <laughs> it's just yeah. it's funny to think about it. <laughs> Well, I, I think uh, I think that the, the uh, reprobate dudes in our uh, in our world are enjoying that new wave of things. I mean, oh, what yeah. the heck? You yeah, know, yeah, you're you're been... empowered. You go, girl boss. <laughs> I mean, the guys have always been happy to be like, sure, I'm a feminist ally. Like, free love, sign me up. I mean, can you blame them? I mean, ever since the '60s, they've been more than happy to. <laughs> You know, yeah, get on the pill. Yeah, of course. Yeah, let's have fun. Yeah. I mean, it, those it's are also like a the, movement. <laughs> those are also the friend zone types, though. You know, oh, yeah, I'm down with feminism. Let me hang out with you and hope, uh, you know, hope we can connect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Summer is here, and Good Ranchers wants to give you what you've been craving, a nice summer steak on the grill. Can you hear the sizzle already? I'm not sure what your favorite steak is, but mine is literally every steak I get from Good Ranchers. Every cut that they source from local American farms is hand-cut, trimmed, and aged to perfection. Good Ranchers is proud to be a trusted source for high-quality, all-American meat, and they are the way to get the most out of your summer grilling season. So head on over to GoodRanchers.com and pick up your box. They have ribeyes, New York strips, all-natural burgers, and all the delicious chicken you could ever want. Plus, it's off with my code BRYCE. With 85% grass-fed beef imported from overseas, Good Ranchers wants you to put American meat on the grill you can feel good about and trust. Whether you're planning a backyard barbecue, a family picnic, or a beachside cookout, they've got you covered with honest, transparent products that deliver on quality, price, and flavor. This is the perfect time of year to easily change the way you buy meat. So head to GoodRanchers.com and use my code BRYCE for $30 off any box. 
Forget about the summer bod for a minute and focus on summer meats. With Good Ranchers, you can feel good about the 100% American, locally sourced meat you're putting on your grill and on your plate. Make this summer one to remember by starting it with American meat delivered to your door from GoodRanchers.com. Use my code BRYCE for $30 off at GoodRanchers.com today. You know, how uh, did you, uh, again, coming out of an Ivy League school, you know, the emphasis is so much on uh, career, so much on, you know, sacrificing everything for that. Um, you know, what got your thoughts to to change along those lines? Um, you know, it was an amazing dude just swept you off your feet. Is that it? Or or uh, or what uh, what changed uh, what changed your your thought process on that? Yeah, I mean, he did. I, but I spent my 20s, you know, working, supporting myself as a writer. Um, I had a lot of friends who were, you know, aspired to like very high level careers as lawyers and, and businesswomen and, and, um, you know, like really, really girl boss, um, like level ambitions. But because I'm a writer, maybe I just like, I don't know. Work to me was always just like, I roll my eyes. You know, I was not good with authority. <laughs> I did it yeah. for like to, to support myself and pay the rent, but I was not gunning for like, you know, promotions and all that stuff. I was always looking for a way out. And I wish I had figured out sooner that a great way out was to go off on maternity leave. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. In- interrupt the cycle. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, it is sad, though, because, look, obviously, I, I appreciate, um, you know, uh, women who have career aspirations um, yeah. and, and want to dominate a particular field. And I don't particularly think that there's obviously anything wrong with that if that is your ambition and that's what you want to do and you feel, you know, led to go down that path. But the, uh, the tragedy is that uh, women have been sold this idea that you can really have right. both without sacrificing you know one or the other and um and and i've talked to so many women and women that i've worked with women that i've worked for that that all of a sudden one day realized that oh wait Mm -hmm. it wasn't as fruitful or meaningful as i thought and you know now i'm miserable or you know uh, my kids hate me or i don't have children and i really wish i had um you know gone down that path instead and i think that there's been a lot of lies that have been told you know within that feminist movement um, that that's been really destructive to women in general, but you know certainly families and and everything else that that builds a good healthy society. Yeah, uh, it's sad. It it feels like uh, society tells women that they're really their, the old, the main value they provide to society is through work and to their career. And so, you know, maternity leave costs a company money and they don't really want all the women that they've hired to go off on long maternity leaves or quit and throw away all the training that they've invested in those women. And so, you know, in the course of writing the book, I did a lot of research about this. And one of the best one of the newest benefits that corporate um, HR departments offer is egg freezing for young women or really any age woman. So, yeah. you know, keep working, keep working. Don't worry. Don't have a baby yet. You can wait. You don't need a man, you know, ever. And so women will freeze their eggs, which in itself is a very invasive medical procedure, and long process that has side effects. But what they don't tell you is that even though your eggs may be frozen and not aging, your body is aging. Your like uterus yeah. is aging. It's not going to it's not going to be fun when you're 45 <laughs> trying to get pregnant with those defrosted eggs. 
Well, um, the other thing that they're doing is, um, hey, you know, you want to abort that kid? Oh, look, we'll uh, we'll fly you to California and you can get an abortion done. Um, I mean, of course, yeah. these companies. Why do you think they? Oh, look, we're we stand behind the right to choose. Uh, you know, yeah, totally. Just because we we just love that idea. No, they they are um, very comfortable and happy with. Um, you know, making sure that that women don't go on maternity leave, which is just such a wild yeah. thing to contemplate. They want you to choose your true calling, which is the boss and the office in your career every time. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you, because I, I look, you know, you, your book is wonderful. Um, I, I love the humor in it. You do such a, a fun job with it. I, I really think it's a, a great read and, and people should uh, should get it and enjoy mm-hmm. it because there is, you know, there is also some stress relief in the humor of these things. Yeah. But we are really in a scary time. Um, I yeah. uh, just the other day watched um, you know, we're we're go- we're going from this whole domestic extremist, um, you know, philosophy. It's being sold, you know, that that people who uh, have traditional values or are patriots are, um, you know, dangerous for society, and you know, we're going to, you know, overthrow all of the the good people that are running our government now, and so they're 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 really building a case against patriots and against you know family people and people of traditional values and they're starting to take it a step for, uh, further with this whole idea of christian nationalism um i i've had uh, uh, dr james lindsay on the program recently and he's sounding the alarm about the trap that they're setting for us and hmm. within a day of he and i um recording our podcast talking about that um they uh, the rolling stone released an article suggesting that uh you know uh, Charlie Kirk and TPUSA um, pivots towards Christian nationalism, and all of a sudden this stuff starts coming up. Then yeah. they released the other day a mm-hmm. um, Shiny Happy People is the name of the documentary, which is against uh, yeah. the 19 kids and counting the Duggar family. And and obviously within that, there was a lot of problems uh, you know, in that family, there's some misgivings I have about what they did and, you know, putting them on reality TV and everything there. But what they what they were doing was setting up uh, to show that it's not just domestic extremists, really, it is these Christians. It is these, you know, homeschooling, uh, family-oriented people that are going to raise these homeschool kids, put them in Congress, and then, t- you know, take over the uh, America. Um, so we really do have some dangerous things uh, afoot. What you know? What are your thoughts about um, that kind of new turn towards things? I mean, it's so funny. I you know I have a community of you know traditional Catholic families that we're friends with, and I never hear the term Christian nationalist. Like I don't even know what that is. Like that what that's like some kind of made up like you know ACLU term just to like target people for their beliefs. Um, I mean, I will say that when you are extremely domestic, when you are a person of faith, when you have decided to kind of immunize your children from the mainstream messages they get from the media and from their own schools, when you're a homeschooler, especially, yes, you are a target. And in a way, you are a very dangerous domestic extremist because you're creating a family, who kids who aren't going to go along with the narrative, who are going to question 
you know, things like, you know, COVID, the COVID narrative or question like, you know, what other kids are learning about sexuality and gender. And that does make those children dangerous, I think, to like the, you know, the regime as a whole. So I'm not surprised they're trying to kind of split people up into groups and target them for their religion. But, you know, if you look back at history, targeting people for their religion doesn't always end well. And so I hope they know that. Yeah. So now what uh, what got you to um, go to the Catholic uh, faith specifically? <laughs> uh, Roman Catholicism found me, I think. So I, you know, I tell the story about how I met my husband and he was basically the first pro-life conservative I had ever met in my entire life. And he was, you know, he courted me and we fell in love. We got married. But I was still an atheist. Um, I had kind of like come around to being pro-life. But I was like clinging to my secular atheism as hard as I could. And we got married. We had, we had like a civil ceremony. Um, a judge married us. It wasn't Catholic. And then I, when I got pregnant the next year, um, we were totally unprepared for a miscarriage at three months. And so we were just both devastated emotionally. We had, had no clue this could happen to us. The baby had looked healthy with the heartbeat. And then we went in for the checkup and then the baby had died. So he was, we were both so, so destroyed by this. And he turned to me like the next day and said, honey, I I have to go. um, I have to convert to Catholicism because I don't know what else to do here. I have to like find something. And I was kind of like skeptical, but you know, I'm a nice wife. So I was like, okay, honey, you know, that's your journey. I'm not going to stop someone. And so I kind of like, (laughs) hit hit, hit pause, hit pause. Okay. So. So you were an atheist. He was pro-life. Right. Okay, but was yeah. he did did he have a faith background uh, already? Uh, was he a, was he a Christian or, or something else? No. And then he decided. No. Okay, he, he just he was had, like. Okay, yeah, go on. I mean, he, he had had his father was like a fallen away Catholic, uh, okay. but he had not been not been raised. Had never set foot in a church or anything like that yet. But he had kind of known he had a family history. Okay. Definitely of Catholicism, but he had never practiced. Oh, wow, that's that's actually uh, an interesting part to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah. So okay. So he comes to you uh, one day and says, "I'm converting <laughs> to Catholicism," and yeah. you're like, "Wait, wait, what?" <laughs> yeah, like my and like my my you know my mother was like, "Oh my gosh, what?" Like they were not they were just shocked because it was not something that we were had any familiarity with, like never. So um, he went through the RCIA process, which is like adults who are converting to Catholicism. And just really through the process of watching him go through it and become baptized and enter the church and started going to mass every Sunday um, and finally like opening myself up to it. And then we had very quickly had three more children under three. So I was sort of in in the foxhole with all the babies and we baptized all the children and just and then by that point I was ready to convert. I just I, you know I couldn't find matching shoes. I was like home nursing all these kids, you know. So by the time I found my shoes <laughs> and uh, I went I started doing RCA myself and that was about 10 years ago. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's amazing. Um yeah, because I thought at first when you started to tell the story that he was missionary dating and he's like I'm going to marry this cute <laughs> atheist. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a baby with her, and then you know we'll Not we'll bring her along. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Our regulatory agencies think you are total rubes. 
and idiots. So I have to tell you that Alliance and Trust family pays me to say this, but I did grow up with them, and they've handled my entire financial world for nearly 30 years. And as a testament to their talents, they've managed to keep me not just out of trouble, which in and of itself is remarkable, but they've helped me to build real wealth. They've assisted me through complex business transactions and family matters. Now even my daughters are working with Uncle Randy to put financial disciplines in place for their futures. Invest with people who share our values and will help you to be a good steward with what God has given you. Let Alliance and Trust help you to plan for what's next. To learn more and get your free copy of Alliance and Trust's book on financial stewardship, Wisdom Before Wealth, visit friendofbrice.com or call 805-371-8020. All right, well, well, look, that's awesome. Um, So... You know what I would love to have you talk a little bit about is, um, you know, what advice would you give to um, young women uh, these days that are coming up in the environment that we're coming up in right now? Because there's a lot of, you know, just, um, uh, you know, a a real lack of a serious foundation. These uh, um, kids, especially young women uh, in general, are being told and taught all kinds of crazy things on their devices, their screens. They're getting absorbed in a over-sexualized culture. And again, the OnlyFans thing and everything that's happening there, um, you know, what what advice would you give them? Um, yeah, they. Uh, it, it's, really, it's really astounding. I was at a book event a couple of weeks ago, a live book event, and a young man who follow me on Twitter and read my essays were coming up to me. These are like college age guys. And they were saying that they were trying to meet, you know, young women who were like them, who were, and these are like, these are not, these are super handsome, masculine guys. They were definitely catches. These were not like dorks, you know? And they were, they were, they were hopeful that my book would help convert some young women to, you know, to the dark side, like kind of, kind of, kind of get them out of the feminist cult. And it is like a cult and you do have to be, you have to be brainwashed. I mean, deprogrammed from the brainwashing like I was. And so my advice to young women who aren't quite all the way um, in the cult, they still maybe have some semblance of reality and can be reasoned with. I would say to think about, you know, you're, there is such a thing as youth privilege. And when you're a young woman, you are, you have that going for you. You have your youth going for you. You're at your most beautiful, your, your most fertile, you know, it's so easy to like lose weight at that age. It's so easy to stay in shape. It's so easy to like look great, you know, and um, you have all your energy. And that's the time where you should not be squandering those incredible fleeting gifts on, you know, randos that you met on Tinder, like who aren't going to remember your name, who don't care about you, don't love you. And I promise you, there are consequences to that level of promiscuity. You're just not valuing yourself. I mean, women talk about wellness, you know, eating, drinking organic smoothies. It's like, well, <laughs> there are other things you're letting into your body that are maybe not good for you that you need to think about. Now, wait a second. Are you saying Tinder isn't the path to true love? Because that just doesn't make What's sense that? to me. <laughs> I said, is, are you saying that Tinder isn't the path to true love? I mean, is that what you're telling <laughs> yeah. us? That is what I am saying. Delete that app. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, I do think that, that is, uh, that's true. You know, they've exchanged, uh, you know, the truth for such a lie right now as to, um, you know, what goes on on those dating um, websites like that. The hookup culture is devastating to girls. I mean, it's devastating to, to men, too, because it hollows out our souls. 
but uh, but it is particularly devastating to women because they are giving up their best years to that sort of serial dating thing. And, um, you know, those guys that you hook up with and hook up culture um, are not going to be around. Uh, in fact, that turns them off uh, as much as it turns them on. Um, and uh, and you're going to, you know, wither wither away and, and, you know, be looking on the other side of it pretty soon. Yeah, so, it's, um, a, yeah, it's a sad thing. I have a good friend. Uh, he's a divorced guy in his early 40s. You know, he has everything going for him. And he is on all the apps. And so I hear it from the man's point of view. And, you know, I don't approve necessarily what he's doing, but I, I report it. I talk about it in my book. Um, it's fascinating to see how men approach the dating app scene. I mean, he'll be on a date with one woman and have three more dates lined up that day, you know, and the women don't know that. And he'll wow. tell me about some women have in their Tinder or dating app profiles, you know, absolutely no hookups. And he'll just delete those. I mean, they don't, you know, they're, that's not what they're looking for. And so it's just hearing it from his side of view, his point of view is shocking. Um, and women, I think, are not clued in to how men are approaching it. Yeah, that that feels like that's too much work, though. I mean, that many dates in one day? <laughs> My goodness. Like, how do you have the energy, dude? <laughs> yeah, he's getting after it. Not in a, not in a good way. Um, and, yeah, yeah, and, and by the way, I want to I want to call you out on something that I am really disturbed by. Um, dorks need wives too, and so those guys that came up with you, I mean, I'm glad they were studs, <laughs> okay. and I'm glad they were. But you know, dorks need love too. Um, There's someone for well, everyone, absolutely. That's right. That's right. Well, hey, so um, how do we follow you? Uh, you know, give out all of your uh, you know profile uh, details so we can follow you on social okay. media. And then uh, how do we yeah. get you a copy of this book? Okay, yeah. My, my Twitter handle is at Keenan Peachy. You can also read and subscribe to my Substack, peachykeenan.substack.com. And my book, Domestic Extremist, is for sale right now. It came out this week on Tuesday at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. And I'm not sure if it's in bookstores yet, actually. I have a friend in Franklin, Tennessee, which is a red, you know, red state, red city, and she said that it was not in their local Barnes and Noble. So if you go into your bookstore, you, have, you might have to ask for it. Yeah, yeah, and ask for it because that's how they uh, stock those books too. So, right. Well, well, hey, um, any uh, any other advice before we let you go? Any other things that you want to uh, say about the book? Uh, again, you're very funny. I appreciate you, uh, yeah. you know, both online and uh, your humor in the book here, and we need it. So. Uh, anything Thank else you. you want to leave us with? Well, I would say that my book is really for two, written for two audiences, and one is for young people to try to help maybe guide them away from making some of the mistakes that I made and um, people my age made. Um, but it's also for people who already have families, mothers and fathers who have children and are trying to figure out how to protect those kids from, like you said, you know, the onslaught, the, the culture war that we're in. And I really wrote it. I did write it to be fun. It's entertaining. I don't want to lecture people because, you know, if you don't, if we don't laugh right now, we will all cry. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, no, it is excellent. You do a, a, a great job. I look forward to finishing it in its entirety. And um, thank you so much for coming on the show. You know, keep up the good work because we do need the humor. Um, you know, a little bit of levity in a time when we're being attacked like this for our values is yeah. super important. Yeah. So, 
anyway, thank you so much. Um, you know, all glory to God, and um, I appreciate your time. Yes. Thank you so much. My pleasure to be here. All right, and we are out. Hey, thank you for watching or listening to this show. If you are someone who listens to us on the podcast apps, please go to our Rumble channel. Even if you're not going to watch us there, we'd appreciate you hitting subscribe. We want to boost those numbers up and make sure that that channel continues to grow. But again, thank you so much for listening to us. (laughs) 